Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. Today, I'm with David Modler and Samuel Peck. They will be talking about building collaborative exchanges through their international art-making exchange, the Draw and Play Here project, TETRAD. David Modler is an artist, researcher, and professor originally from Baltimore, Maryland. David is an internationally recognized expert in the field of visual journals, which he utilizes to explore some of the stylistic, conceptual, and contextual concerns of his research and studio practices. Modler currently works as an associate professor of art in the Department of Contemporary Art at Shepherd University in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Samuel Peck is an artist, researcher, and art educator originally from Providence, Rhode Island, with over 16 years of art teaching experience at the K-12 and university levels. Peck is also an internationally recognized expert in the field of visual journals, having spoken, presented, and exhibited at state, national, and international institutions and conferences. Peck currently works and studies at the University of Minnesota as a PhD student, resident artist, art educator, and researcher. Welcome. Hello. Thank Hi. you. Hi. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, so um, I'm David Modler, and I'm Samuel Peck. And uh, we're talking about projects that we work on that build collaborative communities with, with artists, with students, with teachers um, at, at our own institutions where we work, but also between institutions and around the world. Um, this project that we've um, started on right now, it's, we call it Tetrad. Um, the, it's the Draw and Play Initiative. Tried to come up with a title that people would ask questions about. So the name Tetrad was, was one of those things. And we also then uh, look at it as a way for people to explore uh, drawing and writing and image making in any way that they are, that they are comfortable. And right now it's mostly facilitated through small four by six inch visual journals that are sketchbooks that they exchange with each other on, on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, I currently have about 200 people that I personally exchange one of these books with on a one-to-one -one basis. Project started because Sam and I were looking for ways to, to collaborate and work together on some projects. We started exchanging a visual journal together um, a larger book that we would exchange back and forward. Um, and then we started to notice that we were also individually starting to exchange with other people on the side. And we decided, well, maybe there's a way to make this into a little bit of a larger project. Uh, the idea of this was born um, out of a conference that we went to in Portland, Oregon. And it was a conference on art and social practice. It's the open engagement conference that's through the university uh, at, that's the Portland State, State University. And uh, so we sort of launched the project there, got some people involved, and it's it's just kind of built from from that space. Um, and I think the, the reason why we started doing the exchanges with just one other person was because we used to do a lot of these kind of round-robin projects where you might have 25 people in a group that would exchange books sort of mailing it on to the next person. And what we started to notice was at some point during those projects, uh, the books stopped getting mailed to us and that the projects were kind of stalling out. And so we thought that part of that problem might be that somebody gets bogged down, they get too busy. And so we decided maybe if we just had one other person uh, to sort of collaborate with, it would make it easier because if I didn't have the book, I knew the other person had the book. And that, that's been a, a helpful thing. Um, with the give and take of the project. Yeah, so um, Dave and I, like, that was the, the big 
you know, concern for us was like, how do we make that um, the responsibility for the book, you know, more important, more valuable. So this connection and uh, learning that happens in that exchange that you can facilitate greater dialogue um, with just two people than with a larger group. The the larger group might be had, you know, where Dave has a book and he might take it to a bunch of his students or a bunch of his friends or might stop by the bar or he's on a train or a plane or in an automobile, right? And he takes the book out and starts working in it. Maybe it's an Uber and, you know, it's a group Uber and everyone's passing the book around and he takes the book back. Eventually he sends it back to me and I'm looking at all these variety of marks and I'm doing the same thing, whatever locale I am. And we're figuring out how to create a dialogue between the work that each other are doing in these community engagements and these small journals that we're mailing back and forth to one another. So it's about building an artistic practice, but also thinking about, you know, how we're also building community on, on top of that. So how do we do this with other people and try to bring their practice into our own while we maintain and do our own studio practice? Um, Dave and I also uh, maintain larger 11 by 17 visual journals um, or sketchbooks that we carry with us everywhere. And, and we really work in those. And, and it's a balance between these two practices, the practice that's about communities and collaboration with others and the your own studio practice. And how are you not being dual minded, but melding these two things together. So there's a, a single construct and you see it as a single way of working. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think these installations become a reflection of that. Um, there's been some, you know, questions sometimes about like, well, how do other people get into the making of the, of the installations and that sort of thing. And we're, we're very much open to that. We've, uh, where curators have allowed that kind of uh, participation we've had, um, others come in and you know work on to certain spaces where we've constructed a participatory project that gets built within the uh, installation space, where anybody who comes in the exhibition space can then be an actor in it. Um, and we're always inviting other people to. You want to get involved in the project? Feel free. You know, we want to exhibit your book. You know, get in contact with us. We try to reach out to everybody who's in the project. And then you know, if you want your book in the project, we tell them. You know, stick it in your CV. You're in this show. It's a group exhibition. Um, so it's part us, but, you know, we're more like the facilitators for how this gets constructed and worked through rather than seeing ourselves as like primary actors and the holders or owners. This isn't about authorship as much as it is about like a collaborative space being constructed for the, the project itself to be exhibited and, and constructed. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of see the, the, the making of the books whether it's my own person or the work that I do in the studio uh, that's on the wall or being in the gallery space, putting the installation together, I see that all as one process of my making. I don't see them as separate components that I put together in some way. It's just all sort of homogenous. It all kind of happens together. Uh, it all feeds off of other parts of it. I think the, the work that's on the wall speaks back to work that's in the book and, and vice versa. And I think it kind of goes back to sort of our traditional notions of sketchbooks and journals and where we think of sketchbooks as a pretty teacher-directed kind of model and that we're, we're given an assignment to book in a class. And so we do whatever the teacher tells us to do in that sketchbook. And I think when you, you take on the idea of the visual journal, you're taking more ownership as a maker of that, of that book and it becomes directed less teacher-directed, becomes more about my ideas as a maker, less about me showing the teacher that I can perform certain tasks for them. 
And so I, I find that to be a very valuable piece um, and difference between that visual journal and that's, I also feel like a sketchbook tends to be something that is uh, very image driven, whereas the visual journal is bringing together images and words. So the writing is just as an important and valuable component to that dialogue between the artists and within my journals, just as much as the images are, and that they sort of communicate together, not separately. So it's a little bit of a, I think it, it sort of bridges a little bit of that, that written literacy that we take for granted with our texting and our, our emails and our writing and brings in that visual literacy that maybe goes sort of by unnoticed. And we have to bring that back and start thinking about how that, how that benefits the things that we're talking about. Dave, I'm going to direct a question at you. I think this would be a great place to discuss this concept because I believe we hold and keep this practice as a little different. And I think you're starting to like dig into the grand gesture, but I think that like multimodal process, product, and working, and even the the holding and keeping of it, I think that's much different than the you know, the classical notions of sure. here's your sketchbook. It's this place where you can think through ideas. Sure. You know, I think so, about like, you know, even Da Vinci's sketches where it's like, this is where I, I plan things out or I yeah. think things through, um, you know, some of that, how does the conceptual and the physical interrelate, you know, in the same way that like I have these studies and then here's the actual painting, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think the studies are in today's age, we're more interested in like, how was the artist thinking I think, you know, and how we're like looking back on our, our, you know, the, the people we hold up into the world and say, right. these are the masters, look at right. the, the work they're making. Well, they're not always beautiful people, but in the work they're making. Right. Well, I think, I think it comes back to concepts of authenticity. So the things that I'm doing in my journal are going to be a lot more authentic to who I am as a person and a maker because I'm driving it. I'm the one in charge that's deciding what's going to happen there. I'm not waiting for someone else to tell me what to do. So I'm kind of like working through that on my own. And I think that that's an important piece because I can remember being in freshman drawing class and the professor saying midterm is going to be in the middle of October. You have to get a sketchbook, do 50 drawings, bring that sketchbook to the critique. And you need to bring all the drawings you've worked on up until that point. That's what we're going to critique. And I know like most of the freshmen in that class, the night before that critique, I did 50 drawings in my sketchbook. And, it, and it, it wasn't that the professor wanted it to happen that way, because I think the professor really felt like he was trying to instill a practice in, in, in what I'm doing and to try to bring in some kind of uh, idea of um, an art, artistic inquiry and that I'm, that I'm answering questions for myself and I'm trying to figure out who I am as an artist. I just saw it as another thing I had to do for my teacher because I was coming right out of high school, 19 years old. That's that's been my experience with art was whatever my teacher told me to do. I did it and uh, you get to college and You're trying to like figure out well, who am I who am I as an artist and maybe as a freshman? You just don't know that yet. And, right, right. Um, the traditional sketchbook is good I mean, it, it, I think it gets students thinking about planning it gets them thinking about Putting ideas together, but still I notice as a professor that what they do in those sketchbooks if it's if it's kept in a traditional sketchbook format it's it's very minimal and it's 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 whatever I told them to do that you never see them you very rarely see them go further or expand on that idea unless they just uh, innately do that as a maker or you push them to do that. Whereas right. I think with right. the visual journal, the ownership is different. They don't see that as something they have to turn into me for a grade. It's something that I even 
uh, assess in the classroom with all of the students getting input um, about each other's books. So I think that there's some of those notions too um, that makes that different and it makes it maybe a little bit more personal, uh, which takes it a little bit out of that academic space right. and puts it more into an artistic creative space. Uh, and I think the fact that uh, we do different things to help make it safe. So um, if they don't want somebody to see something in their book, they can paper clip pages together. It doesn't have to be seen. It can be sort of locked in place. It allows them to be a little more vulnerable. It can be vulnerable and, and think about it that way, that it's not something that has to be exposed or shared right. or shared to a degree. Those kinds of things happen. And I think over time, seeing my students working in those and then starting to collaborate with others in those books made me just want to find out, well, what are more people doing? And how can I not just make my own books, but how can I make more books, but get other people involved and get input? And, and I think it's a lot of it came from thinking about being in grad school. You have this community of artists that are around. You're always talking to them. You're looking at each other's work. Right. You get out of grad school, right. you get a job, you're working. And it's very easy to get isolated in your classroom or out of practice and, or out of practice in your classroom, in your studio. And by having these connections, I think some of that energy is maintained. It pushes you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think it's it's like having a, a friend that you go to the gym with. It's like they rely on me to be there. It's like they need me there as a spotter. I'm there. We're there working out together. Um, and I think those <laughs> same kinds of things happen with your art making, having that accomplice with that artistically is helping you. They're, they're holding you accountable. You, you claim you're an artist, well, then show up and do the work. And, and I think that that's what's important. And I think that these exchanges that we've been doing, for me, is helpful in that way. It's a reminder that this daily, this daily practice needs to continue. Can you, you know, I know you're, you're trained as a painter. Yeah, you make beautiful drawings. You know, I, I say this as somebody who values your practice, obviously, because we collaborate and do these installations and have been working together for five or six years on this project. Um, we, we figured out that it was a late 2012, early 2013. That's about when we started this. But could you talk about your own practice in the, in the visual journal? My question is, you know, you, you do these exchanges. And I think a lot of times we, we think about like community work or, or community art. There's a there's a consideration. Well, what's how does this practice being held up? When we talk about the work being non-hierarchical, I mean, we're interested in working with children as much as we're working with higher adults and the common practitioner. You know, some people say that say that they they look at this at times and it can be like oh is there like this school art thing that's being constructed here you know and is that the level of practice that's happening mm -hmm. and david and i both have mfas we both know how to make beautiful objects you know that's what you, the degree is there to do there's a lot of aesthetics philosophy you know making that happens within the, the practice and and so my question really is for dave because you know, speaking for myself and speaking for him, I, you know, I want to dig into this idea. Like often the sketchbook is seen as this object that's both a daily practice and something you take with you. But how is the beautiful object constructed and made? So, yes, it's like so it is. So it is a daily practice. I look at it as a practice of everyday life, not just a, a practice of art. That's part of my art practice. So it takes on a different piece. It isn't sort of, oh, I'm in the studio. Let me pull my sketchbook, sketchbook out and work in it. The book is with me all the time. Um, it is. A, I keep my calendar in the book. A lot of my lesson planning takes place in the book. A lot of my idea processing takes place in this book. So uh, the the visual imagery, the aesthetic of the visual imagery that 
is sort of the byproduct of all of that daily work. It's, I think that the collaging, the drawing, the writing is just really, it's, I, I look at it almost like residue. It's sort of this life has been lived and here's what's being left behind. Um, instead of me sitting down and, and looking at blank pages and thinking about how those pages go together. And so when I, when I think about that in reference to visual journals, that's sort of the space that I get into, which is very different than um, thinking about it just as a sketchbook that might be for a, a very specific class that I'm in a drawing, like I said earlier, I'm in a drawing class and I need to do these 50 drawings or I'm in a design class and I have to show 12 mock-ups to my professor. Chances are I'm going to do exactly 12 mock-ups. I'm not going to do any more than 12 because they said to do 12. Those 12 may not give me any kind of solution to the problem I'm trying to solve, but the assignment was to do 12 um, because the professor probably felt, well, if my student does 12, they'll get close to a solution and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Right. So um, I see the notion of the visual journal as being different than that. Um, I think that it's it's the ownership. It's it's the authenticity. I think it's the daily habit. Um, it isn't something that you can sort of put down and come back to a couple weeks later. It's something that you have to sort of continually work in. And for me, the thing that's been so great about it is when I can't get into my studio or uh, I, I can't get to the wall and be working on a larger piece of work. This visual journal is the thing that keeps me connected to the energy of that practice. And I, cause I know in the past before keeping journals, if I wasn't in my studio for a couple of days or maybe a week, if I did get to my studio, I'd sit there, I'd be looking around, I'd be sweeping the floor, I'd be doing everything but working on the painting. Right, right. But what I find now is because of this journal practice, I get in that studio within studio within 15 minutes, something's happening. And I think it's because just everything, you know, my thinking, my making, it's it's more interconnected because of this vessel and it, it maintains that practice when I'm away from it. It's also uh, in, in a post-studio sort of vent, it's, it's something I can take with me so I can work on it in other spaces. I'm not tied to the magic room to, to do my work. Right. I can be on a plane, a train, I can be in a car, I can be sitting at the beach. And I can pull my book out and I could work in it. It doesn't have, it isn't tied to a specific place. Um, I think there's also interesting limitations that can take place in these kinds of books, uh, especially when you think about the materials that you work with. You can't really bring all of the materials from your studio with you everywhere you go. If you wanted to, you'd have to have like a big U-Haul truck and drive around to do your work. Um, so it forces you. Pretty press in the back to, of the van. Right. So it forces you to limit yourself. And I think through some of those limitations, you you have to think differently and you become more creative. And so then when you are in the studio, maybe some of those other elements do sort of get impacted in the book. Um, I've been working in journals for about 20 years. I know when I first got into this practice and I tried to do research about it, I was finding a lot of people writing some things. And it seemed like uh, it wasn't as free as I, as I was finding it to be. A lot of page numbers and dates and signing right, your pages right. and... I didn't see my visual journal in that kind of way. Um, I see it as a nonlinear process. I don't have to like finish a page before I can move on to another page. I, I kind of go back and forward between the spaces, and that's that's how I kind of negotiate it with with myself. I don't put the pressure on myself of having to finish one side of the book before I can go to the other side. And I think when I think about the art making and I think about academia, when I think about school. 
that I think that is a notion that that's left over in us as art students that you can't right. start something else until you finish this. It's it's right. just this notion that's sort of schooled into us. Right. And I don't I don't know if it's it's really all that necessary. A lot um, of practitioners today are definitely talking about you know have multiple projects going. So when this one gets a little tired, you take a break, you move on to the right. other one. And I and I think that that's the thing that I like about having these multiple small journals that I'm collaborating in with all these different people. Because when one when those books come in the mail, I open it up. It's like I'm getting a present in the mail, like every week. It's like this gift, and then looking through it and looking to see like what did they do to the work that I did last time? What did they add? And then immediately being able to work from that space and thinking about that influence that's coming from that other person. It might be um, that maybe they are in the same state, maybe they're on the other side of the country, maybe they're in a different country. Right. Uh, maybe right. I haven't seen the book in two or three months. Maybe I haven't seen it in a year. Maybe I just saw it last week. Right. But it, it's it, Michael it, it, it just you, you get all kinds of different um, uh, flows to that process. And I almost think about it like a cadence. You kind of do build a cadence with the people right. that you right. work with. Some are very quick with it. Some it takes a little bit more time. Um, some forget about it. And then I see them at a conference and they're like, oh, hold on a second. I've got your book. Let me give you your book back. And so I, I, it, it ends up happening that way. Um, I don't know where I would be as an artist without my visual journal. I think it's, I think I still would be one, but I know that it's it's made my practice a little bit more solid, um, more holistic. Yeah. Um, and also more, I think, uh, in, in the sense of sharing my practice, I am in those faculty meetings and in those committee meetings at the university. And uh, I end up getting like the dean and the provost sit down next to me because they want to look and see what I'm doing in my journal. Yeah, I've had that happen. And, and so it's sort of, you know, the, the minutes get glued in there. Talks are going on. Everybody else is sitting there on their phones and on their laptops. Who knows what they're doing on those things. Tip-tap and type but, away. You know, I'm processing this information right there in my book. Right. And it's giving me a space right. to, to stay busy while I'm thinking. Yeah. Can you, can you, um, you haven't mentioned this much, but I know this has been something that you and I have been chewing on and going back and forth about. Um, it really, like you've been like drilling this into my head a little bit for a while. We've been talking about um, divergent and convergent thinking um, and how that works with the journal and the practice, then what comes of that. Right. Um, and uh, I know it's, a, it's a, a topic in like education circles a lot, but um, I'm interested about like talking about how that comes from this kind of practice you know, and what like blossoms from this work. Right. And, and, uh, you know, I, it like after, you know, I've been keeping up with, uh, I've been doing, I did sketchbooks for a while. And I think around 08, 09, when we started working together for me from then to now, like it really like, Oh, that's the thing he's been hitting me over the head with and talking about. And I'm, it was like, you know, the nights before we are the Knights of knee from the Monty Python skit. I like all of a sudden did one of those. It was like, you know, the Homer dope. You know, that's what he's talking about. You know, all, all of a sudden, like all it was like, holy crap. How did I miss this? Right. Well, I think it, I think it goes back to what I was saying about, you know, you think about school and you have a teacher, whether it's high school, whether it's it's university, it's you have a teacher. The teacher's telling you what to do. And as an art student, you're still a student and you're trying to become an artist. You claim to be an artist, but you're still sitting there waiting for the teacher to tell you what to do. Right. And 
if if that's what you do, it's like that thinking is always going to end up being a little bit convergent because and, and all your thinking, that's how you teach, right? Yeah, so all you're about thinking about is what the product's going to be. You're not thinking about how how do I get to that product, and, and and if I'm only thinking about making one thing at a time, then I, I get stuck. Or if it's not working out, then I abandon it, and and right. I don't think that that's the way most artists work. And and you're not going to get into a good think space if you're stuck in those spaces. The journal keeps me moving forward, but it also um, opens up those those notions of, of, di of divergency. Um, thinking about things in a convergent way, it's sort of, oh, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make this two by two foot painting, but if that's the only thing I work on and I'm working towards the thing, it's gonna take quite a long time. But if I'm working on 10 two by two foot paintings, chances are it might take the same amount of time to make those 10 paintings as it was gonna to take to make that one painting. Because right. as that process is going on, I have these multiple surfaces to be working on. Different solutions are going to be found in different places. Right. And that's going to help move all of that body of work forward. And I think that as an art student, sometimes our students get stuck in the notion that I'm making one thing at a time. It's like a link of sausage. And I just slice it off. There's that one. Slice off another one. They're not seeing it as a body of work. They're not seeing it as an idea that they're trying to move forward. They're just seeing or it practice, as this right. thing that needs to be created. Um, and I think when they can maybe stop thinking about work as an object, maybe start thinking about work as an artifact. Right. Um, that, that's a notion that I think can be helpful. So I see sketchbooks in that way. Sketchbooks become very object oriented because they're for a specific purpose for that context. Whereas I think the journal is more of an artifact because it's more divergent. It can go in multiple directions. And yeah. once again, coming back to our exchange project, the divergency of that is is so wonderful because I'm not just locked into the book that I'm making. I'm also I also have to like kind of reach out and touch all these other books at one time. So I might be working in 15 small journals during a studio session. Right. And different things are happening in all of them before they can be mailed back to you know my accomplice. It's and and, and, and I think that's that gonna like... forward. And I think the same thing happens um, with us when we're in that studio. So question for you that I'm thinking of is that space, you know, it's like we're making this work in our studios in different places of the country. We're working in these books with different people. And then we arrive at a gallery space and then we have to put this exhibit together. And I think there's a lot of notions about the way this kind of pastiche or this hodgepodge of things that occur in the what journal is. is the same way that that exhibit space starts to um, be transformed and I'm wondering like what your thoughts are on how that translation between working in all of these different books, working in your journal, and then moving into thinking about, now I have this gallery space and it's a lot like, I have all these different walls which act a lot like lots of different pages in a book. Right. And the notion of how that, because I think there's a collaborative element that happens between us and our helpers. So like this last exhibit, we had three or four people helping us right. with the installation. And, and it wasn't like we could give them a direction and they were going to follow it exactly. We had to allow some creative freedom there and interpretation right, right. to happen. So maybe, maybe we talk a little bit about, you know, that collaborative element as well. And like how that builds a little bit of that artistic community that, you know, from the book to this other space and how they're interconnected. Well, you know, like, I think you were touching on like that with the divergency of like thought and the blossoming of the practice. Um, I, I really enjoy the, the part of the site specific installation 
um, and how you know you, your own practice is being changed because of this interaction with other people's practice. In a way, you're you're reading their work and seeing these elements through your eyes and not theirs, but also then adding in or subtracting from a piece of the practice. You might be cutting out a part of a page, gluing something in that kind of like changes for a couple of pages. And maybe you have to like cut a gully through a couple mm -hmm. of other pages to fit an object into the book, mm -hmm. you know. And as, as you're building it, not just as this, you know, drawn, painted thing that gets fuller and thicker, but also as a a sculptural object, mm -hmm. um, you know, something that be felt, touched, and understood. Mm -hmm. I, I think that kind of practice, you know, then becomes translated out. You know, we're often thinking about how does this image work? How does this design work? How does this pattern work? How will it be read by others? How will it be, you know, understood within the, the book itself? I think when you start to take that up as a context and a practice between two people, you, you start to, and that begins like, right, and then really when it's, expanding when it's between out. you, you as a hinge pin, you as like this starting point, right. and then there's these other 150 people that you're reaching out and connecting with on different on a different basis, and how that then comes back to you, right? And then you get into the space, and you had mentioned the idea of site site specific. I think of it a lot more in the, in the, in the fact that it's kind of site responsive, yep. because we don't know even if we've seen this space and we've we measured it, and we've thought about like what might go where. You know, I know that we get there and we dump the workout, and it sort of sometimes it, it doesn't work that way. It's right. Like it definitely the the thing I was thinking would go in one place ends up having to go somewhere else because I see the space differently. And it changes. Yeah. I, we were talking about this last night, in fact, um, as we started to discuss the work that the, you know, we, we site responsive is a great way to talk about it because, you know, the architecture of the space as well as the work. The way we hang it is always going to change based on where we are then. Which know? is exactly like the small books that we exchange because every time the book comes back, it's different. Right. And you have to now respond to it. It's not like you can have a preconceived notion of what I'm going to make because yeah. there's something there that has to be negotiated and worked with. Right. You can't you can't do the chess move of uh, the Duchampian chess move of, you know, oh, when I get the book back next, they're probably going to do this. So then I'm going to, you, you can't like pre-plan that. You got to wait for it to show up and respond on it. You know, there's a, you know, you, you begin to say, okay, I'm going to be proactive and I'm going to try to, you know, get ahead of this before it comes back to me. You know, as an, as an educator and artist, you try to like, you know, organize and formalize like, okay, the process will be X. Okay. I'm getting excited. I've got all these ideas blossoming. You know, the book goes away, you get into something else, you get into a couple other books, and all of a sudden that book comes back that you were planning on, and guess what? The person's in a new place, new space, their practice has changed while you had the book, and what they did in it has completely changed what you thought your response would be. So now you've got to re-understand, you're reformalizing your own plans and proactivity. Oh, I was going to do this, but this makes me even rethink that, that plan I had, and, and it's great because... In these other sketchbooks, you might have written about that or documented, you know, thought about it, even practiced some of the moves you were going to make. All of a sudden, this thing comes back, and guess what you're going to do? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is a great way to rethink or rediscuss what happens inside these installation mm -hmm. spaces because it becomes something more like phenomenological. That and uh, we were talking about this last night. The architecture of the space. Um, and the work itself, there's a merger there. So mm -hmm. that as you go through the experience of the installation, it's not exactly the architecture. It's not exactly the work, but it's a, 
it's a mixing of the two. So as you go through the space, it's not like we're saying, we want you to see this. You know, we're not trying to paint the seashore or, you know, make something that's, you know, a reflection of the world. It's, it's not about a non-objectivity or non-representational. It's about moving through and having an experience as a match between the work of the installation as well as the, uh, the, the mm -hmm. architecture itself. And that changes. It might be work mm -hmm. that we reused from a different installation, but it's not going to be shown the same way because the spaces are never a perfect match. We're not taking right. the cube and moving it from place to place. The installation is built for the box that exists right. there. And I, and I think, too, it brings back the notion of the process versus the product. Right. And with with a more convergent product-oriented way of thinking about things, there's, there's a level of predictability that starts to occur with your work or with the expectations of your viewers or the expectation potentially of the person that you might be trying to collaborate with. Like, like you said, it's like they're expecting something, but when they get something different, then what, what do they do with it? Right. And that, um, that notion of that, if you can allow yourself to get more involved in um, sort of handing yourself over to the process of the making and allowing yourself to go with the flow, um, so to speak, I mean, I think there's a spontaneity that it doesn't exist when you're so hung up on what you're making instead of how you're making. And then I think also you miss you, you miss one of the big pieces about making art. And I think that's that that's the the idea of surprise. And yeah, so and if, the there, of it. and if there isn't a surprise for you as the maker, then in some ways, like what was the point to begin with? And so when I'm working in these small books and exchanging with people there's that element of surprise every time I get it. And I think every time we, this is our sixth installation here in Providence. And so that every project, time that, yeah. every time that show goes up, every time this project gets a site and gets to sort of perform itself, it, it, it's a different thing. And right. Cause it's not locked into a, a particular way of um, being constructed. I'm not locked into a predictable way of uh, like knowing how it works. Right. It's like it can work in a different way almost every time. Yeah, And yeah. I think that that's what I like about it. And I think that that's what keeps the practice moving forward. Keeps me from getting bored. Keeps me from like getting whatever they want to call artist block. It's like it just doesn't happen because yeah. it's like there's always something new. There's always something different to do or think about or, you know, kind of like push forward. And I, and I think that there's still moments where I might sit down in my studio and have a project right now that I'm thinking about where um, I have an idea what I want to see it be. And now it's just sort of, okay, let me get the materials together. I need to sit down, I need to execute this thing and put it together. But I know that it's not really going to happen like that. I know that as I'm doing this, things are going to change and what I maybe am conceiving as an idea right now is going to have to change through the process. Because I think, right, because yeah. I think it's, it's, it's easier actually to just keep working and see where there's some interesting places to stop and like have these little moments than it is to be thinking about these things that I'm trying to make that have to hang in this particular space. They have to be this certain size. I need to have this many number of them for this exhibit. I'm not, you know, I like the notion of not being tied to that way of thinking. Think about uh, one of the installations that I did um, prior to this project where the curator kept trying to hit me with, how many pieces are you gonna show? And I said, well, I need to get the dimensions of the gallery before I can tell you. And so they gave me, it was like a hundred and, I don't know, 130 linear feet. Yeah, and that. so then they're sort of like, well, so how many pieces? It's like, well, 130 feet of work. And the curator could not wrap their head around, well, what does that mean? 
And I said, well, you'll have to wait till I get there and put it up and then you'll see what I mean. Because it's, it's, it's not, I'm going to put five paintings on this wall and four paintings over there. It's going to be this total immersive space and that that's what the works about. I don't even know what that's going to look like yet until I put it together in that space over that particular period of time. And that's much like what the books are meant to do, you right. know, and, and how, kind of space. how we think about the inside of that, you know, that, that, that book. Um, and returning to that, that concept a little bit about the, uh, the surprise, you know, when these books come in the mail, you know, we, we say we have X many collaborators um, that we're working with. It's not something we're like, oh, the dreariness of having all this. It's excitement, but we've also got to recognize a limitation in like how much can we actually take on. Um, so hence the evolution of the project into having, you know, people work through our workshops and then they gain a collaborator. Um, most of the time it's, it's not us because we've taken on so many. Dave has about 200. I have about 150, um, you know, and, and Dave has his own studio practice beyond that, as well as an education practice, you know, at his university. Uh, where he teaches, you know, I, I'm working on a PhD at the University of Minnesota. I have a teaching practice on top of that. I'm making practice, you know, so this, we have other obligations and how do we attend to those and as well as continue to attend to the project and hence the evolution about a workshop where you gain an artistic accomplice, you gain a collaborator. Um, and so can you go ahead, go ahead and, and dig into that, explain the workshop. So okay. people, people come to our workshop now. What happens? Maybe explain that. Explain, explain a little bit about. Explain a little bit about that process, and I think that gets us back into um, this notion of how all these ideas about the way we think about making work and what we think about making with these books. How do we translate that into this community? You know, that we, like the workshop we did yesterday. Eight people we really didn't know right. show up, and they all left saying you know, a lot of nice things about like what, what they experienced. Right, right. Now they have this person that they just met that they're now going to share this, these books with and start this dialogue, which is very different from having like a Facebook friend. So we, uh, we ran a six hour workshop yesterday. So in the, the nine to three workshop, we really like dug in a match between like a 40, 20, uh, split. If you're thinking about an hour, how we can teach for a little bit and then have people work, but it not be teacher directed so much, but be, be about giving and providing a space for them to, oh, that's an exciting concept. How do I like play with that? How, how do I want to do that? How do I want to work on that? Um, and we build into these workshops that kind of collaborative working environment where, hey, what are you doing? That's interesting. I'm going to try it myself. Let's play a little bit. Whatever you're doing, and this looks great. So we're trying to build that kind of environment and talk. We kind of talk about how, you know, we do that for each other. We give examples of the work that's in our own books, but we're not saying you has to be a copy of this. We're thinking about how people can develop that for themselves, um, you know, that kind of space for themselves. So we really work on, you know, going through lessons that are very simple, very, um, you know, about like, hey, let's play with material. How do you else do you want to experiment that with that material? Um, oftentimes we're using watercolor paints, we're using watercolor pencils, using, uh, graphite, we're using inks at times, we're doing a lot of collage. So that kind of space for that to work um, inside you know, a sketchbook, we provide time for that and we provide time for the books to get traded between the two people you know, so that I'm going to get your book, you're going to get my book. We'll work on that for a little bit and then at the end of the 
the the class, we exchange books back, we have each other's addresses, so we can mail these books back and forth to one another. And oh my God, look what you did to the work that I did. This is so great. I've got so many ideas. And that kind of can create that kind of you know exciting dialogue and you know that the gaggle that I just emulated there for a moment, which is fun to be around. You know, it makes for a great way to begin a day before you have an opening. And you know, these great folks who then keep in touch with us. Because the next exhibition we have, we'd love to show your work in our next session of this. Right. So I think it, it, it's it's something where with from the workshop, these books are created. It opens access to people to the making in a way that maybe they haven't thought about it before. But it also opens access to them to be exhibiting artists. And because right. we're placing value on the things that they're doing within these books, those books become part of just like they become part of a community within that workshop, the book that they're working in becomes part of a community of these books that then get exhibited and then move on potentially onto a next space and get exhibited again. And so it's, it's, uh, I think it's, it's honoring that person as a maker. So individually as an artist, they're being recognized, but, uh, their collaborative aspect or, or their, that impulse that they're bringing to the project gets honored every single time as well. The book is also interesting as a, a way of like recognizing growth and creating a document for that. Mm -hmm. For a lot of artists, you know, rather than look at a series of paintings, what if you had a single object that could do that? I mean, it creates a lot of value there. Um, and then, you know, some of our, our collaborators and, you know, our groups of collaborators have had multiple books exchanged in, in the time frame that have been involved in the project. So they fill this volume. They're like, you guys keep exhibiting this. Keep it going. Keep it moving. You know, there are other times people are like, well, I want to keep a book. It's yours. You know, we're not so involved in the ownership of the book as much as we're about the ownership of the process. We'd like to see the process continue. And as long as that keeps happening, we're going to keep working on this project and keep it moving and forward. Um, we were excited to see a, a 10-year-old last night who'd been uh, involved in the project since she was four. And she now has six exhibitions on her CV. You know, it was a pretty cool thing to to do to talk with her and take a photo with her and be like, wow, look how far, far this has moved forward. But also, look where you were at age four, where it's slam the magic marker down and look at this neat stuff I can do versus like now I'm going to make these like interesting drawings that are like, you know, flowers with blue skies and, you know, the sun in the corner maybe, um, you know, or, or how is the, their process developed and changed? Um, so, so the project has like lots of possibilities and it offers a lot and we hope that we can – you know, this could be a vehicle for more people to get involved. If you're interested, mm -hmm. feel free to reach us out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I think probably from hearing us both talk, there's a lot of energy in this project. We're both, you know, <laughs> enthusiastic about it. We, I think we we enjoy the work. I mean, I do see it as work. I mean, I see all the art I make as work, but I enjoy the work I do. And Nothing some and some people, you know, some people endure the work that they do. But I make no apologies. For enjoying what I do, and um, like any job, sometimes you get frustrated and sometimes things bog you down. But I, I got to say that uh, most days it's it's a process that I really enjoy, and I know that the the visual journal and I know that this project um, are both things that have have kept that uh, that enthusiasm alive for me as a maker yeah. and as a teacher. Yeah, we look forward to it. Mm -hmm.